welcome to the Burnup Podcast, where we discuss all things agile software development and delivery. We will be giving you an honest take on tools and techniques. We'll share our experiences, debunk myths, and hopefully provide needed inspiration. Hi, I'm Todd Anderson, Consultant Delivery Manager. I've done just about every job in IT, from tech support, programmer, network security, project and program management. I can't say I've done everything, but I've seen a lot. And I'm Marcel Britsch, digital consultant, business analyst and product owner. I've worked in digital before this even had a name, and since have been quite a bit around the block. And this is my way of giving back to the industry. So sit back, relax, and settle in for this week's episode. few announcements before we get started with today's episode. First off is how to best get in touch with us, which is by going to our webpage at burnupmedia.com. There you'll find links to our Twitter feed, which is at burnupmedia, and our LinkedIn page. You'll also find links to all the major players to subscribe to the podcast. If you want to leave comments on a specific episode, please click on that episode on our webpage and fill in the form at the bottom of the page. We've also added chapters to all of our podcasts, so if you have a player that supports chapters, you can skip the intro and go straight to the podcast. If not, our intro is about a minute and five seconds long, so just skip ahead a minute and start listening. So please do subscribe, write reviews, give us feedback, and also please share it via Twitter or company message boards or send it to anybody you think might be interested. Thank you so much, and here's today's episode. All right, today we're going to talk about kicking off a new series, <laughs> our first series really on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's going to talk about roles and composition of delivery teams. So the idea here is we're going to have a series of podcasts or deep diving into specific roles that uh-huh. you usually yep. find on a delivery team. And today's sort of a, an overview kickoff episode where we might just generally go through what roles you might find on a team and kind of like also how the composition of a team as far as like how many of them you find on a team, you know, what, what they do, that sort of thing. Exactly. And then we'll do individual episodes about each role where we explain, like, why the role is important, what good looks like, um, maybe discuss a little bit how you get into the roles and, and, and why, you know, why the role is there in the first place. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll bring uh, people who actually perform those roles in. So, obviously, you and I can cover delivery management and, and, and business analysis and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, stuff like tech leads, we'll bring in tech leads. We'll have colleagues who, who know, know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So, so let's get started here. So from the top, so to speak, is can you have an engagement manager or, or maybe an account manager that they might be yep. known as? They're the type of people that might take it over from the sales team at a consultancy and they, they manage the account all the way through. So a key client relationship, I would say. They're quite often in control of the, of the financials as well. And they're ultimately, I guess, responsible for making the client happy. I mean, the entire team is, but they're the first point yeah, of contact. They're the, they're, well, they're the highest point of escalation, really. Correct. They're the ones that's butts are on the line if, <laughs> if the engagement yes. doesn't go well, right? So like you say, they probably manage the budget. They look at sort of the overall team makeup and it's a very interactive role right they're working with all the other team members to make sure things are, are staying on track they're usually the counterpart of the client sponsor 
Yeah, you know. exactly. They will definitely be, be working at that executive level. Correct. They may or may not be working day or day, day in, day out on the thing. They might dip in actually from time to time, or they might be more hands-on from sometimes, you know, during crunch times or, or some risky moments. So. That's actually an interesting point. So we have on some of our projects that are uh, very needy, we have full-time engagement managers, and then other projects that are... Maybe not uh, that big, not that complicated, not that complex, that don't need that much attention. An engagement manager may have multiple clients, multiple projects. Right. Yep. So, so moving on to the next role. So this is kind of the role that I typically play. So it's a delivery lead, program manager, project manager, scrum master. This is kind of a focus on delivery, right? So I would say on this, program manager would sort of be your... Managing entire programs, so they multiple be projects. Work. More, yeah, yeah, more, more about of work. More about the governance, right? Yeah. And there might be a number of project manager or delivery leads underneath that. Yeah. But the, the idea of program manager is much more a higher level, looking at how the whole program of work comes together, all the dependencies, bringing that all that stuff together. A project manager is probably maybe more working more at the level of a team. Trying mm-hmm. to make sure that that team is delivering, managing risks and blockers at that lower level. And then Scrum Master is something kind of altogether different. The Scrum Master is, is really sort of hyper-focused on the day-to-day running of a team and making sure that team is you know, pushing stories through and that sort of thing. A lot of times a Scrum Master might be a project manager or a delivery lead, but also you might see a business analyst sort of drifting into to yes. doing that sort of work because they're kind of hands-on there day-to-day with the team. I think Scrum Masters are really about driving, driving delivery day to day, making sure that facilitation, the, facilitation, right? unblocking, making, yeah, unblocking, you know, running standups, that sort of Definitely. thing, making sure stories keep moving through the wall. I mean, I have seen teams where there was no Scrum Master specifically dedicated, but the role just emerged and maybe even rotated around the team members, whereas I think. Um, of any program team of size, you will definitely want a dedicated delivery lead, program manager, project manager. Yeah, and, and while whereas you probably only have one engagement account manager on a, on, a, on a project, you probably only have one program manager in a program, obviously. Project managers might have a lot of them, and scrum masters you might have, you should have probably at least one per team. Per team, right? correct. And, and, correct. And also, I, I do want to say scrum master is kind of a general term too, no matter what kind of agile methodology even if you're doing lean or something like that you kind of still say scrum master that's pretty interchangeable that's a pretty good point yeah um yeah. so i just want to make sure that people don't get confused when you say scrum master that only means scrum but we'll go more in depth in, in that um uh in when we do the deep dive on that so uh-huh. next up is your uh, cup of tea so yeah i'm i mean i'm a business analyst product person product owner um and this role is all about making sense of what the client's needs are, what they are expecting, what their goals are, and then communicating that to the team and making sure that what the team delivers is adding ultimately value. And the role of the business analyst and the product owner, they're kind of along a spectrum. The product owner is more focused on user needs, business needs, whereas the business analyst is more focused on the nitty-gritty of defining a solution. But ultimately, it's a role that's to do with analysis and understanding client and business needs and then helping the team to deliver in that direction. Your counterpart on the client side are either product owners, product managers, or quite often they're salespeople or possibly just users directly that are the counterparts that provide you with their needs and requirements. At minimum, you have one of these usually on a, on a, on a delivery team, but you might have many of them 
depending on how many developers you have to feed with work, it's really about making sure there's enough people, analysts, to feed work to the team. Yeah, it's all to do with, as you say, with bandwidth. Okay, let's go to the next one, which I think, again, is probably more aligned with the, the product owner yeah, analysis phase. Exactly. Usually, you, as a, as, a, as a business analyst, product person, you, you kind of pair with uh, user experience uh, service designers and visual designers. So these are the guys that design the solution from a user perspective in great detail. So they champion the user, they understand what the user needs in terms of interacting with the product, and they will express this in terms of wireframes, in terms of visual designs, they apply branding. Their counterpart is quite often the marketing branding department on the client side, and they are also the guys who would do user research, user testing. I mean, sometimes these roles are split out, and then there are user testing roles or market research roles. So we'll plop this all together under user experience and CX design. And again, depending on the size of your, your project, I've worked on projects where we had five to six uh, user experience designers and visual designers. Sometimes just one might suffice. It depends yeah. a little bit on how... Yeah, same, same with me. Like we, we had a, a project where we had a whole team of designers because it was really uh, a certain new and more complex sort of proposition that we yes. were going to users with. So we had to do, you know, we had weekly um, testing, you know, user testing where we yeah. actually went to a lab observed, came back with some some findings that ultimately ended up in stories. Tiny thing maybe to add to this, what we haven't really in our list, because for the type of work we do, it's not necessarily that that, that uh, frequently required is content designers, um, so copywriters. Oh, yeah. Um, but depending on your project, uh, if you're doing brochure or websites, you will certainly have a copywriter with you. That person would kind of yeah. sit at the same level. And- um, okay, so moving on, uh, I think we're going to talk about sort of the more technical side of things. So tech lead or architect um, yeah. is, is a, a, something you always find usually on a, a delivery team. So how many of these you have? Well, it's probably either one per geographic location or it's really one per like discrete feature delivery team, team. that correct, you have, correct. right? And, the, and their responsibility is to, to interface with the client architects and really come up with a technical solution, right? So they need to architect the solution. They, they're responsible for keeping things consistent mm-hmm. in the team, making sure the quality is high, things like test coverage is high, Be, being the go-to people that like understand the overall system design. So if somebody has a question about you know how the overall thing's architected or, or a decision needs to be made technically, it's tech leads that do that. I mean, they're the guardians of best practice in terms of technology, right? And I think what we find, the teams we work with, is that these these architects or tech leads, as we prefer to call them, are still hands-on developing code. Right. So it's not, I think there is, there is sometimes in the industry this, this concept that you become an architect and you just design architecture and then hand it over to developers who actually implement that architecture. And we believe that really good software results from these architects in, in quotation marks that they are still hands-on involved in producing the solution. Yeah, yeah. So, so there, you bring them in up front to, to you know, understand the business yeah. need. Yes. They, they then hear the business need and can interpret that into a technical implementation, right? And are they try to, to try to meet the, meet the business. But are they part of the development team, right. right? They're not like separated sitting outside this, uh, the, the, the day-to-day delivery of the project there. Hands-on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, hopefully they're coding a, a lot of times. Sometimes they don't get a lot of time to code because they're in meeting a lot of times, so you see that. And so we might have to talk about some of that stuff when we get into the tech lead thing. The, other, the only other thing I'll say, too, is that also, you know, a tech lead might be a role within a team, but quite often you actually have developers within a team who play the tech lead role for a feature, right? So, yes. So they might be the specialist in that feature, 
and they're the ones that come up with the, the design. They might run it across the other tech leads or you know have to liaise with the, the product teams. So, so that's it's a fluid a fluid role, and, and really you want to upskill everybody in your team to be a tech leader. I think leader. that's maybe a really good point to generally say about all these roles. While we're talking about roles, I think sometimes these roles are more hats people put on to a certain degree. I mean, I would never code. But I know that I have done a little bit of thinking around delivery management, and I'm 100% sure that you have also done thinking around requirements in certain parts, right? So, so these roles are not, they're not boxes you put people in and then they can't get out of the box. I think they're like, you know, things that need to be there in terms of skills and capabilities on a team, but individuals sometimes map across these or the boundaries yeah. blur. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the next one is just, you know, peer, peer developer, you yeah. know, so this is, you know, people read, putting hands on code, implementing yeah. a solution. They're responsible, again, for quality, understanding the implementation of how a business need is going to be met. Um, they're, they're the ones that are actually writing things, testing things, pushing things into production. How many you have on a team is sort of like, it depends on the size of your project, right? So Correct. that's usually right. the scalable thing. Typically, in our teams, we count them in pairs. So mm -hmm. like if you do pair programming... Typically, you kind of in pairs. That's not a hard and fast, but usually you have two people. The, the, the other reason, good reason to have pairs is because of the whole knowledge sharing thing. So even if they're not working in pairs, actually sitting side by side, working on the same piece of code, they, they might be working on the same feature, but at least two people are synced up. And, and so, you know, in case one person goes on holiday or leaves, there's two people that understand things. So, so a lot of times we think in pairs when we, when we talk about uh, developers. And I think just to build the pyramid up, so you say uh, working in pairs and then maybe two to three, four pairs maximum are a scrum team. Yeah, that's feature, like your feature six team. Feature team, that's yeah. your six to eight people there supported by, as we said, a business analyst, um, UX person, and a scrum master in that, and then you combine multiple of those teams to a project yeah. and multiple projects to a program. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, so moving on, uh, quality assurance or a tester, yeah, a QA, QA quality assurance, and you, there's usually one of these for every two to three pairs you have on a team. It, it really depends again about throughput, how complex the the things are they're testing, and and what their job is really is to make sure the quality of the the product going out meets the requirements that were set out uh, in the business analysis stage, right? So they're the ones actually going through all the scenarios, making sure to test it. And they'll do that a number of ways. They'll more and more, they'll write automated testing. And that's really important for a continuous delivery to have solid automated testing. Yes. That's um, you know maybe more the integration or, or higher level, whereas like the developers might write unit tests. The, the quality assurance um, person is gonna write more integration or smoke testing. They might get involved with browser, cross-browser testing and automating that or performance testing. Pen, penetration might, testing, all those uh, specialist uh, yeah, testing any, scenarios. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. all sorts of specialist things. But ultimately, they're sort of the gate to make sure the story written is done correctly, throw it back or raise bugs if, if there's an issue with it. And then, you know, it, they're, they're kind of the, the, the final, final sign-off before the product owner gets to sign the story off and it goes into production. So... So I, th I think they're kind of, if you look at this, the counterpart to the product people, right? So the product people say what they want, the technical people implement, and the quality assurance people, they make sure that what was implemented meets those requirements in the first place, right? right? And that forms the, the kind of end-to-end -end cycle, really, of, of your delivery. One final thing I want to say about QAs is that often, you know, although we said there's, there's kind of like one QA for two to three dev pairs... Really quite often what happens is during crunch time, so you have a deadline at the first of the month, all the developers are writing code like crazy and, and eventually developer pairs might split and the pairs themselves might just be working on one story each. 
and they'll just be producing a, a huge amount of, of output, you know, to try to beat that deadline, you know, the Friday before it's due. But then, of course, the QAs don't have time to then, then check it. So quite often, that whole ratio gets blown up, and you need to draft devs into the QA. So they cross-QA. What, what yeah, so, the so they do cross-QA. Yes. So, so again, you know, like you said, like all these roles, there's a lot of crossover and different things. Sometimes dev have to, have to be like QAs as long as they wear that different hat and they sort of look at it from a different point of view. That's really the important thing. Yep. So finally, I guess we've talked about DevOps or infrastructure <laughs> yes. or sysadmins. I, I, I think DevOps is probably the term that's mostly used. And these people are the people who are, are coding infrastructure. So um, quite often these days, you have things working in the cloud, mm. cloud-based uh, solutions, or even if there's physical servers they're working on, they're, they're virtual machines that are being spun up and whatnot. And these are the people who are writing the infrastructure as code and supporting the actual you know server side of things. But that's uh, there's a huge a huge gamut of things. So this is stuff like domain name management, secrets management, uh, Kubernetes, virtual machine resource allocation, creating pipelines to push code out. It, it is really a super broad topic. And how many of these do you have on a project? Probably as many as you can get, I think. Uh, they're really, it's hard to find them. It's hard to find good ones. And when you find, you, you, the, the, the more sort of DevOps time that you get, usually the more efficient you can make the, the rest of the development team because you can, you can do things like, you know, make the development pipeline more streamlined, faster, more automated. So, so DevOps are, are really important to have. And, and again, you know, sometimes you have devs that play that role within well, the team. This is an interesting one because I think this is quite contentious in the industry whether DevOps should actually be a separate role or whether the developers, some, some of our colleagues would insist that the DevOps jobs of providing the, the tooling like pipelines, etc., should be created and provided and maintained by the developers themselves, hence the, 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 the concatenation of dev and operations ops. Yeah. Um, but in practice, as again, with a lot of these roles, while maybe one individual can do all of this, they in practice just don't have the time. So therefore, you have specialists who focus on one aspect or the other. But I think it is important to say that if you have a DevOps or multiple DevOps specialists on your teams, they need to work, be working really, really closely and directly yeah, yeah, with yeah. your developers, right? They're not sitting in a separate room or on a, even on a separate desk. In some, it, they, they, they need to be they need integrated in the team. They're, they're part of the team integrated. They shouldn't be in another, another space working on something completely different. They need to be integrated with that team, yep. understand the problem, like, you know, they're a team member just like everybody else. I think we'll do quite a number of, of, of uh, podcasts maybe on DevOps and Dev specifically because I think it is such a big thing in the industry and it's so easy to get this wrong. So oh, yeah. going forwards, we'll, we'll talk about this. So if we look at the team structure we just described, what is interesting is that I have worked recently on a project which was exactly that team structure in its minimum. So we were seven people working with a client delivering a project. And then more recent, even more recently, I've worked on a project with you where we were at our peak point, maybe 40 people, where we had multiple of those roles. So it, as you said before, it, it really, really depends on what your client and project requirements are, how big this thing scales up. And we've seen this, we work with government clients sometimes where you see teams uh, of like 200, 250 strong being made up ultimately of this fabric really. Right, right. And, and a lot of that is budget constraints and all that will come into play when you're starting to put together a team. But you really want to keep this sort of mix in mind of, of having these roles staffed by somebody and then, you know, continuously review them to make sure, okay, wait, are, is, there, is one of these roles a bottleneck? Are, are all your stories being pooled in QA because you only have one QA and you have 20 developers? Well, 
you know what, time to get another QA, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's really important. Todd, sorry, we haven't spoken in detail about the roles in the client side. So, of course, there are more roles on a project. This is not everything. There are subject matter experts and there is your users, etc., etc. Um, I guess we'll talk about them in a different yeah, um, different series. Series, I think. right? Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, yeah. So this series is going to be more about the delivery team roles themselves. Fine. So I think that's it for an overview. So I think our first episode uh, and this series about delivery of roles is going to be about business analysis and product ownership. Right? Yes, um, I have spoken last week with our colleague Swati Podar while we were in Bangalore about that role. Um, so you can expect something really interesting to you about uh, product ownership and business analysis. Great. Cool. Thank you for listening, guys. Thanks. Bye. That's it for today's episode. Have a look at our show notes with related information and details on how to get in touch at thebarnup.com. We are listener-driven, so please do send us your questions, comments, and ideas for new episodes. We're both practitioners and are happy to discuss interesting opportunities from consulting to coaching to getting involved in actual projects. For inquiries, please visit burnupmedia.com. This podcast is produced by Burnup Media Limited under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 license, which means you can share it as long as you give credit, but you cannot change it or make money of it. Until next time, thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.